This is a show formerly known as Quit. It's a show about things like uh, making changes, meeting the challenges of making yourself uh, happier in your job or lack of a job, starting something awesome. I'm Dan Benjamin. It used to be time to quit. Now it's just Thursday, May 1st, 2014. <laughs> this is episode number 50. I've actually been doing this a lot more than a year. It's not been the most weekly show in the whole world, but what are you going to do? We're not doing call-ins today because we have a very special guest coming in live and direct over our favorite thing in the whole world, over Skype. It's Sean Blanc. Sean, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. You're in Central Time. I found that out yesterday. I had no idea it was in Central Time. Yeah. Well, I'm in Kansas City. Kansas like, City. You guys just look north. I think I'm waving right now. I don't know if you can see. We both just look straight up in the sky. The uh, <laughs> the lady voice you hear is uh, is Hattie Cook, one time producer, now account director at Five by Five and Archer. Welcome to. You're not going to take over the show again, are you? Hattie? No, not this time. No. Okay, I just yeah. want to be sure and get that out of the way ahead That's, of time. No, you you know you have to ask. So on the way in today, um, my kid, uh, six years old, he he he, he, he you know, he dropped him off in the class and he brought me into the class and he said, here, I want to show you this thing that I made. And it's, it's a stained glass turtle and uh, it's really good, but it's, it seems really fragile. And he handed me this thing and he said, take this home. And now I've got to schlep this thing around with me all day by itself. I can't leave it in the car. It'll get too hot in the car. I don't know if the paint will run or melt or what will happen to it. It's, it's like a little plastic no, 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 because you dropped it already once. I, I did. don't. And I, I, did you crack it? No, I didn't. All right, it looks all right. So please don't touch it again. That's what she said. Wow. Anyway, welcome to the show, Sean. So, so there are probably people in the audience who don't know Sean. <laughs> and I'll, I'm going to just do a little rundown of the stuff that you do. Sean Blanc, B L A S H A W N B L A N C dot net. That's the main place if you want to find out what this guys doing and has been doing mm -hmm. and then if you want to hear his voice outside the context of this show he does a podcast called weekly briefly which is a show about creativity technology and that kind of stuff correct you are the one-time host of a uh, now defunct and abandoned <laughs> show on five by five which was on its own for a while before that which is, yeah. what, what was that one called? That was the B&B &B podcast. B&B &B podcast. Then you did a site called Tools and Toys. And mm -hmm. the new thing is the sweet setup, which I want to talk to you about a lot, which has been making waves in the, in, in, on the whole web, the web as a whole, across all industries and vectors. So we'll get to that. No calls this week, though. No calls. Sorry to disappoint the people who did want to call in. So if you were calling I was in, preparing. And, yeah, you, oh, you were ready for call. No, I, this to is to, an, to talk to strangers. This is an all Sean show. I had no this idea. This is the Sean show. This is the Sean show. Wow. Just an idea. You're going to have to run with that. Who's calling me? Hold on. Let me take this. See, someone's calling right now. This is Dan. Who? Oh, hey, how are you guys? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out who it is. Um, did, I'm not sure. Oh, oh, they're trying to fix the blinds at the new office. No one's there yet. Oh, okay. We're going to see where Miranda and Bailey are. Uh, we'll, hang out there. We'll get someone over there really quick. Okay. 
Just hang, hang out. All right, bye. So we got a new office, Sean, and this is another topic I want to talk to you about because you work out of your home. And we've do. we've got a new office. And I've heard. I've seen the the pictures of the hallway. Yeah. So one of the uh, one of the blinds is like tied to another one of the blinds in a very the blinds are the worst. It's a very rigged up kind of thing. Like one blind was would not I guess it, it wouldn't stay in the, uh, you know, when you, you raise the blinds to let the sun in, this one wouldn't stay. So they, the previous people tied it to the other blind. So you open one blind, it pulls the other one up. It's the most bizarre thing ever. It's so weird. Why not just call the management and ask them? The f- anyway. Or go to Home Depot and buy a $2 set of new blinds. Yeah. Well, anyway, you had to put them up. I mean, this uh, is a, it's a mess in, uh, in this situation. So I guess they, I guess Jeff sent the guy out. No, I don't think anyone's going to be there. But where's, I mean, the the princess. Yeah, she won't be until eleven. Why? Because I don't know. Oh, she's got driving back from the thing. And what about Miranda? She doesn't come in on Thursdays. I thought she was coming in this. No, that was that was the princess. Well, I just told the guy to hang out for no reason. <laughs> oh my! We could have Zach here. No, it's not. It's just blinds. It's just blinds. Hi, Sean. Welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of things happen. So, and I always feel like it's important so to, fun. to take calls during the show. I think that's part of what people tune in for. I've always done that. I've done that every You've time I get a, ever get a call. I always yeah. answer the phone. That's my rule. I, I always take calls. That way I can be, always be on the offensive. Well, it'd be more interesting if you answered it on speaker. Ooh. I should have done that, but I was afraid of who it was. What if it was my well, test results why, or something? That's why I'm saying it'd be more interesting. So uh, next time I will do that. So Sean... You've been up to so many different things, and I'm so glad that you're you're back. You've been on our show. I've had you on shows here before, and I'm trying to remember if you've been on Quit before. I can't recall. No. Because this is your I, first time. When you first started Quit, I, I mentioned that I might be a good person to have on. Well, you're a very I good once, person. I once quit quit my job. You quit your job. You quit. You've quit a lot of things. Not as much as uh, as me, I don't think. But we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about your new stuff, and, and the main thing that I wanted to talk to you about is l- your life as an independent. Uh, I, I don't like the word entrepreneur, but I like the word as an independent, period. Not an I'm independent. Not the word entrepreneur. I no. mean, it's kind of cliche online these days, but it's still, you know, still an apt. What about the word freelancer? Hmm. So no, I don't, I don't think, think that sounds less. He's not a freelancer, right. though. He's not doing work for others. He's doing work for himself. Right. Mm-hmm. We need to come up with a new. No, okay, so we need to come up with a new name for the show, and also another word for entrepreneur that's better. Well, Sean said he had some some potential names for the show. I would like to hear them. They're they're not that great. I'm just going to warn you. Okay, hit me. So, uh, quit name alternatives. Yeah. Risky business. <laughs> okay. I like that a lot. <laughs> uh, or you know, I, I I don't know the the story behind why you're why you're deciding to change the name of the show. Yeah, my my hunch was I just you know hypothesized while I was thinking about this was that you're trying to focus not so much on getting out and instead you're trying to focus on moving forward, mm-hmm. right? Like you're you're putting a positive spin yeah. on on the show exactly. Okay, I I, I think that's that's actually really great. I, I thumbs up. Well, that's so part here's of the another. Reason. Here's another one. Um, I'm not sure if this has been taken or not, but just do it. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Sounds like I, a good slogan. Right, right, right. Okay, or maybe, uh, maybe a little bit more direct. You can do it. Mm-hmm. 
or for uh, someone who wants to be an entrepreneur, maybe you could call the show Bossy. Okay. All right. That's a good one. Yeah. And it it, it may or may not fit in with some of the personalities that are on the show already. Mm -hmm. Perhaps not. Probably not. I mean, Hattie's not that bad. Or, and then, and then my last, my last idea was build. Build is good. Now there's a conference called build, but there's exactly. And I was like, you know, probably a lot of overlap with the audiences there. I know. Maybe they want to, maybe they want to join, join forces. You could be the official podcast of the build conference and they could be the official conference of the podcast. Well, Andy McMillan is a, is a friend of mine mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, let him sue me, I guess if I want to run, with him. <laughs> but, uh, no, you know, that's, I like that name. There's also a lot of people have suggested rework. And I said, well, 37 signals has a book and a whole theory called that. So I can't call it that. The reason behind changing the name, I don't want to keep going into this is Two reasons. One is exactly what you said, the first reason, which is it's not so much about quitting your job. It's more about starting something awesome. Or like redefining. Redefining it within the context of your job. job. Going into your job and saying, you know what, the the job's not bad. The job's not messed up. I'm messed up. No, I think that's incredibly, incredibly true and valuable. And I, some of the best advice I've ever had in my life was when you're like, when things are down, that's when you're, you should not quit is, you know, kind of wait until you're at the high point and then, you know, quit while you're ahead. Uh, you know, yeah, all these cliches, but they're true. And I think that, you know, having a show that's focused on getting out, getting out because there's, there's, you know, the grass is always green on the other side. I think that's the wrong focus. Yeah. Cause it's not true. It's the not grass true. Is never greener on the other side. No. And half you the time this side, yeah. yeah, half the time you start, you do start something, you go and you try something out and you realize Wow, I actually had it really, 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 really good. I was reading uh, a blog of a designer, and she used to work with me at a company many years ago. And she was writing about the challenges of, you know, of doing freelancing. And she's done it before. She'd done it before multiple times. And then took a full-time job and then recently, I guess, went back out and started to do freelancing. And she's talking about Megan Fisher? Yeah. And she was talking about... uh, how the challenge and i'll see if i can find that for the sober on owl test putting it into the show notes now and i remember i was actually reading that yesterday too see i think it's an important article and uh yeah here it is title of the article is one of those things i'm learning the hard way uh posts and i'm putting that in there now and you know i remember back when she was working with me um, you know, one of the things that, that we had talked about is like, there's a big difference between doing freelance, like where you're like, oh, I think I'll go pick up a job and make some money, you know, and then I'll, then I'll have some money. And then when I'm running out of money, I'll go do something else and get some more money. And that's, I think a lot of the way, I think a lot of freelancers work that way. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I was never comfortable doing that, but there's a big difference between doing that as opposed to building a business, uh, building something that 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 you want to exist as a thing that yes maybe you're the only person doing that thing but it it's like it's it is a business and you're building it as a, you're building kind of that as a, a reputation and and an entity and a thing that exists that then you can have other people help you with or you can you know you you can you can you can build as a freestanding self-sustaining uh object in the world, if that makes any sense. And I think that it, that's yeah. one of the things I wanted to talk to you about because you've done this a few times and you've tried different things. net is 
is that your still your primary sort of your primary job or your the primary thing that you've that you've built? Yeah, that's my main that's my main outlet for all the work I do, and that's my like that's my uh, income. And so I've got these other sites, and they're mostly kind of self sustaining in terms of I don't take any profit from them. I take the money they make, and I put that back into the guys that I have helping me do those sites. And when you do that, when you have other folks helping you out with something, and I think this sweet setup is a good example of that, because that's not just you, that's other folks in there, right? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of other people, yeah. I mean, how do, you, how do you manage that as a business? Are they essentially freelancing for you, helping out when they can? Are they employees that are on a payroll? And, and how do you manage that whole process? Yeah, I manage everyone that helps me out, uh, even the guys that regular. I have three guys that help me regularly, uh, Chris Gonzalez, Jeff Atwood, and Stephen Hackett. And so I treat all of them as contractors or freelancers. It just makes things far easier for tax purposes. Yeah, way better. Uh, for me. Um, and so I just, but they, they contribute regularly. Uh, you know, Chris Gonzalez does tools and toys almost exclusively, and then I help as well uh, here and there. And then over on the suite setup, Jeff, Jeff is our, uh, I said Jeff Atwood, Jeff Abbott is our, uh, he's our director, uh, editor. So he does all the editing for all the articles that come through. He reads them, proofreads them, fact checked, et cetera, et cetera. And then Steve Hackett helps me with the scheduling of everything. And then he's in charge of all the interviews that we do. Uh, and then we also do like a, you know, tip each week, you know, a, a tip for how to use your phone or your Mac or, or whatever. And so he handles all of that. And so they've got like a consistent schedule, consistent responsibilities, but I still treat them as uh, contractors. Now, from the standpoint of tax purposes, um, there are limits on what you can consider a contractor versus an employee. So I've got three or four employees and I have one of them is is essentially a, a contractor. And the big difference is um, if they're like if they're in their own location or if they're using their own equipment, uh, you don't provide them with a, you know, a, a dedicated place to be and equipment. And th- but it's the IRS. In your case, I think it's, you know, like, like the hosts of five by five shows, they're all essentially contractors because they, they show Mm -hmm. up, they record and, and then they, they leave, they do it on their time. Most of them are using their equipment, even if we're recording them here, you know, that, that type of thing. But like, it gets, you know, it gets tricky. And this is just something people ask me a lot. Like I've gotten a lot of emails, people saying, how do you do this? Uh, Are you, do you like, do you have an incorporation or you an LLC or do you just, do you just pay them? you know, from like a, a business bank account or how do you handle that? People yeah, want to know, this uh, is what people want to know, Sean. No, I, I'm happy to share. I'm not, I'm not hiding anything. Uh, I actually have two LLCs. I have one in uh, here in Missouri. And that's the the main one. And so I run kind of everything through that. SeanBonk.net's on that. And the suite setup is on that. And so I pay these guys. We started using Square Cash recently. Oh, really? Uh, and it's, oh, it's so great. It's so great because, uh, because um, I used to just, you know, log into my bank account and then I would have a check sent to them because um, I don't like to use PayPal just because I also do a lot of uh, a lot of my income is from PayPal. I run mm-hmm. a membership on my site. And so a lot of that goes through PayPal. And then with advertising stuff, a lot of people pay me through PayPal. And I like to uh, like if I pay out of PayPal, then I'm I'm pay- basically kind of paying directly out of like that income before it gets processed. I'm kind of finicky about my books. So I like to pay my guys out of my actual checking account instead of out of my PayPal balance. Right. And so anyways, uh, so I would log into my bank and, and send them a check, which was kind of, uh, you know, not the, the greatest solution. 
Um, and so then Square Cash came along and it's super, super great. So I just pay everyone through email now. Um, and I pay all my contractors. So the, uh, it, like the contributing authors for the suite setup as well. Like I've got people that, uh, almost all the writing on the site in terms of the, the reviews of the apps that we pick are done by freelance writers. And so, you know, when they're done, you know, the day we publish their article, then I send them an email, uh, with Square Cash, uh, and paying them for the article. And it just makes things super, super easy. And then I have, uh, so I pay all those guys through that, except for tools and toys, because the predominant thing for tools and toys uh, in terms of income wise is Amazon affiliate income for the site on that. And just recently, well, I guess it's been a year now almost, uh, Amazon uh, dropped Missouri as an affiliate state mm. because of uh, basically like the tax stuff. That's and, terrible. And, you know, the, the new, you know, collecting sales tax for, for transactions done online. So Amazon said, all right, we're, you know, we're kicking off the affiliate stuff for, for Missouri. Uh, so I live, you know, a mile from the state line. So I actually set up an office over in Kansas <laughs> and, uh, and started a new company over yeah, there and nice. then tools. And then I sold tools and toys to my new company and I, I run that through there. Um, so, so those are my two LLCs. That's, you know, it's very interesting. The little details about things like this and it's, there's so many strange little laws and restrictions and things like that, that, that have to be in place. And do, are you doing all of the payments and everything yourself? Like, do you still manage that entire process? I do. I do, uh, all the, um, like my bookkeeping and accounting stuff. I do once a month on the, the first Sunday of the month is like my admin day. So that's like uh, a so full a full day for you, probably. Uh, no, well, no? Eh, like three hours probably it takes me about three hours to kind of manage everything. Um, so so that's, not, you've got it down. Much. You've got it down to science. We were spending so much time. I mean, obviously, it's a it's a little bit different uh, because here we've got essentially there's two businesses. There's five by five, which is the the podcasting network, the content network. Uh, and then there's behind the scenes, there's our, uh, our ad agency, essentially Archer Avenue, where we, we do all of the sales, all of the creative, all of the sort of marketing stuff and, and all the different shows that we represent, which many of which are not part of five by five at all. And, and don't, you know, don't belong in five by five, but we, we sell mm -hmm. ads for them. And, and, uh, and it just, it got, you know, with all of the proposal writing and invoicing and payments and everything, it just, it finally got to the point where now after, I guess I started doing this full time in like 2009, finally I just broke down and I'm like, we, we've got to get, we've got to get a bookkeeper in here just showing up every week to do, to do this. And to and, do things on time. That right. the other thing. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. between, oh, between. You know, between me and like people often wonder, I guess, what, what we're doing, you right. know, Hattie probably spends how many hours a day, six to eight hours a day doing proposals and client management yeah, and proposals and just keeping everybody happy and emailing lots of emails and the sales, the, sale, the whole sales, <laughs> sales process. And, and we've, we've hired another person to help with sales and it's just, it's there. You spend so much time doing it. And then at the end of the day, you're like, oh, right. We've got to do all these invoices. We so we get money, get the money, that you know, and then we've booked. <laughs> we've got to make sure everybody who does shows gets paid easily and on time. And, and there's so much, there's so much to this. And it, people think that running a business is about doing the work is about, you know, if you're a writer, you think it's about writing if, you know, and that's one of the things that's, that I guess is kind of an advantage about being a freelancer as opposed to a, 
a business owner or entrepreneur or whatever, if you have a business, is all of this additional work of like, I guess I need an LLC. I guess I have to pay people. I guess I have to make sure that that invoices get sent. And it's, it's a lot of work that I think people so frequently underestimate how much really goes into it. Uh, even if it is just saying, I'm going to spend three plus hours on a Sunday, like th- that's still three hours on a Sunday that you might not have thought you had to spend, you know? Oh, it's so true. And I think that, you know, ironically, I think I had more time to write before I started writing full time. You know, that's right. <laughs> when it was just on the side as a hobby, you know, it was no problem to to spend my evenings and my weekends writing. Uh, but now I'm spending, you know, my daytime catching up with email and admin and then my evenings and my weekends a lot of times is more admin. There's, you know, there's so much tied to it. And, and just like the mental, uh, you know, there's the mental weight of running a business and, and having things, uh, you know, kind of all resting on your shoulders. And there's just that consistent feeling of like, oh, my goodness, tomorrow it's 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 all going to come crashing down yeah. and I will be on the streets. What will I do? You know, like there's that it's it's scary and that kind of sits and rests on you. And I think a lot of times it can, uh, you know, can make you feel, you know, like less bold to take a risk and and try new things and all sorts of stuff. But at the same time, you kind of never would trade it for anything in the world. Yeah. And that's that's the thing is, is as as much fun as it is, it's also so much of a challenge. But like I wouldn't ever dream of wanting to do anything else but it's i resisted for so long resisted hiring people uh especially full-time people resisted uh resisted that not because i was you know i didn't want to share it i knew i wanted to share it i knew that it that and this is the thing that's that obviously you you know from the way that you've structured your businesses uh but you know I always think of, you know, the independent person sitting alone in their spare bedroom. And by the way, I'm describing myself for many, many years, um, you know, working with, with, with other folks occasionally, but I can tell you that your business will be better if you involve other people, if you get out of that mentality of, you know, I'm the only one that can understand. Or, oh, I'll just do it myself. Yeah. And it's hard. And I've seen, Hattie, I've seen you struggling with oh that <laughs> uh, as we've brought on, you know, a couple other people to, to work with us and work, work for you, uh, like, that you're so used to saying, you know what, this needs to get done. I'll just, I'll just go do this. Right. I'm like, and it's not like, I don't want to give them something to do. It's more, it's more along the lines of, you know what, it just, it'll take just a little bit uh, less time. If I just, I'll just do it just this one time. You can, you can watch me do it and you can do it next time. And then after that, then I do it again right. and then now they don't have anything to do and now I'm doing three times the work that I was actually supposed to be doing. <laughs> yeah, it's very hard. It's very – I mean I think, Sean, you can – I want to hear you speak to this. But like you know, when when you have somebody who's like they're going to be a contributing writer, like you're giving them an assignment. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's different. I think what Hattie is talking about is for so long she's been doing all of this part of the sales process it's or part of the – a natural habit to just do those things in a way. So to give that away, it's almost like, did I forget to do that? Is that person doing it? Mm -hmm. I wonder how they're doing it. Right. You know, are they going to do it the way I would have done it? No, the answer is no. But then like, are they doing it? Okay. Is it okay? Is it still getting done? You know? And it's tough because you, 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 and I have a lot of faith in them, you know, and a lot of confidence, but it's just, it's funny sometimes to catch myself. I'm like, Hattie, let, 
let someone else do this. Yeah. And it's you, you that's a hard me on it. that's hard it's hard to do that and a lot of the time you know it's weird because when uh, when you start run when you're running your own business and how do you've been here for like two years now mm-hmm. uh, it's you're we are and I think a lot of people are in this situation we're used to doing things ourselves we're used to saying everything from you know. Everything in the whole process, A to Z, you're doing everything, including oh, yeah. taking the trash out. You know what right. I mean? Like we just, we do everything. And then when you get somebody else and you have to kind of carve out a role for that person and then you have to stop doing that thing that you've been doing. That and was, you have to stop worrying about it yeah, too. That's the thing. That's it's the like key. You, you know, you can't micromanage and be, you know, on their shoulder the whole time and be like, did you do it the way I did it? Did You know, is it complete? I usually had it done by this time. You can't do that. You have to kind of just let them do the right thing and make their own decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Like micromanaging is actually going to stifle the other person. Yeah. And like, I mean, you, you, you hope that you hire someone that is, you know, smarter than you and more capable at doing what it is that you're going to, the reason you hired them to do it, right? Like, you know, taking out the trash, you hire a janitor, right? Well, hopefully you've hired someone who is far better at taking out the trash than you are. And so if you micromanage them, they're just going to get frustrated and annoyed. And then if they need to be micromanaged, well, you probably hired the wrong person to start with. And so that person's not going to be able to do like their best work. Yeah. If you're just peering over their shoulder and then you're just wasting everyone's time. You have to but find it's that, hard. It's it, yeah. You have to find that perfect balance. <laughs> I mean, there's... I used to work for my dad. Uh, my parents used to own a flower shop in, in town and on the summers I would work there when I was a kid. And so my dad would like, I'd go into work on, you know, Saturday morning and my dad would have like the list of the things that he wanted me to do. And he would like walk me through the list and explain it, everything to me. Okay. These pots need to be moved, uh, you know, from this bench to this bench. And here's how I want you to do it. Okay. This pot right here, I want you to move it this way and twist it and turn. And it would literally take as long to explain what he wants me to do. And then I would, it would take me less time to just do it. Like afterwards, so it would take half an hour to tell me what to do and then like 25 minutes to do all of it. And, you know, I'd come in. So it was, my dad had a hard time delegating basically is is the point. Yeah. And I think we all do. Like it's, you feel like what's in your head, like you're comfortable, you're familiar, this is in your world. And you're like, I have, you know, I built this whole thing from the ground up and it's all important to me. And every single moving part is so connected and you know how it's connected and you kind of like you're scared to share it and you're scared to to like let it go and and trust that someone can, you know, can care about it as much as you care about it. Yeah. And that is the critical part. I think it, it is about it is about caring and finding somebody who cares and it'll they'll never care as much as you do if you're like, you know, the person who founded the thing. Uh, I shouldn't say never. Typically, they won't care as much as you do. But finding somebody who cares a lot, that's the real challenge. That's the part that I think identifies the difference between somebody who's who's really going to invest themselves in it versus somebody who's like going to enjoy doing the job. And mm-hmm. when it's a small business, a small company, th- finding somebody who cares a lot is absolutely critical. Like, Anybody can learn stuff. You can train a human to learn almost anything and get pretty good at it if they want to. But that wanting comes from the the concept of caring, of the concept of uh, of uh, of 
really investing their own energy and time uh, into something and n- doing a good job at it is a, a side effect of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And fi- and that's and I think it's tough. It's so tough. Like it seems like it should be easy. But here's the weird thing is when you find somebody like that, then they show up and like they really want to do stuff and they re- and like you can you you just I remember the first moment I had this a long time ago, I, you know, when we had hired somebody and like they were working all these extra hours and they were putting in their time to do stuff and uh and and they were making you know, they were making progress, but they, it was like, they had created this within themselves. You know, they had created this sense of importance and urgency of the thing that they were working on and were really trying hard. And like, they, they cared and you could see it. And it's like, wow, that's the quality you want to find. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Tough to do. It is tough to do. And the so other thing is people, you have to fire people and people quit. Yep. Unexpectedly. All right, let me do a quick spot here and then we'll get back to that because that's a, that's another topic we were talking about uh, before the show, which was, you know, having having to fire people. And Sean, I don't know if you know this about him, but Sean is known, it's a small, the web is a small place. He's known on the web as the guy who fires people. So we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> let me tell you about Harry's. I love this. I love this company and the folks who started this company, uh, you talk about caring. You talk about uh, wanting to wanting to make something that's really awesome. Harry's was created uh, by one of the co-founders. His name is Andy, and uh, and and he figured out that there was a major problem with razors. This is something. I mean, I I, I think women, could, Hattie, women could use these Harry's razors if they wanted. Oh yeah, them. it's I not know, just. I, I mean, many... it's geared toward men, but I don't think it has to be like that. I think if you can, if you enjoy beautiful things, a beautiful <laughs> razor and a close shave, then so I Harry's think is for you. Harry's is for you. So regardless he, of gender, Andy, he went into, he walked into a drugstore. Here's the quote: I went into a drugstore, waited ten minutes for someone to unlock the case where the razors were being held. I bought a four pack of blades and some shaving cream. It wasn't the best purchase experience, to say the least. And then I walked out and looked into my bag, and I had a receipt for over twenty five bucks. With products and brands that didn't speak to me as a customer, I just felt like there had to be a better way. And that's that was what inspired him to start this company of making really great razors with really awesome blades. And they went to Germany and found this this company that was making really awesome blades in Germany. And so they, they that's where they got them from. And they're getting them at like half the price of the regular blades you're going to go find in like your local store. Half the price. And they, they, they liked it so much and they, they found some success in it and they went and bought the company and the, the plant in Germany that was making these blades. And now they, they make the blades. And so I have one of these kits. They sent these out to, uh, to a bunch of our hosts and I'd already been a, a customer. I was a customer on day one. And the kit that they give you, it's so nice. The razor blade actually looks nice. Like it feels nice to hold. It's not all gimmicky with, you know, 50,000 blades on it and a little, you know, rubber wedgie thing. I'm like, it's like a really nice razor and you can get them engraved if you want. I got mine engraved and it's so cool. Even the box, yeah, the, the box, box the whole experience comes in. opening it the is nice. The first box, the box that it's shipped oh yeah, the in shipping awesome. box and the right. inside That's has cool. the cool thing. And then, and then you open it up and it's like, get ready, get excited. You know, I love that. That's so cool. And it's fun. It re- and these are really great. And the blades are really, really cheap. And I think they've got like an affiliate thing where if you, you sign up your friends, you get free blades. Half the price for these blades. And that's what you wind up buying every every few weeks or every month. 
all online, beautiful site. They learned, uh, these are the guys that started Warby, which are my favorite classes. Anyway, here's the deal. You're going to get five bucks off your, your first purchase over at harrys.com if you use the code QUIT, Q-U-I-T, the show I used to do. So go there, harrys.com, promo code QUIT, five bucks off your first purchase. And I recommend getting one of these kits because they're really awesome. gives you everything you need. So uh, thanks very much to Harry's for making this show possible. Love those folks. Firing people. This is the thing. Before the show started, Sean's like, oh, dude, I love firing people. I, I hire people sometimes just to fire them. Is that a, am I am, is that the right quote? Did I get that right, or am I taking? That I, I don't think that's quite how I put it. What did you say? I think I said I have fired people in the past, and it was very difficult. It's basically what I said. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. So tell when what 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 situation were you in where you had to to fire people and why? Uh, before I you know before I, I started writing full time, I used to be a creative director for a, a church here in Kansas City, and so I had a staff of about well, there's like twenty of us or so. And I did that for several years. And over the course of the time, you know, I had to, you know, I grew the staff when I first came on. I think there was like nine of us. And then so I grew the staff up to about 25. And then we ended up having to shrink down to 17. And so there was, you know, periods in that three years where I like specifically had to let people go uh, because they weren't doing their job or there just wasn't, you know, uh, synergy in the office or different things like that. And then we also had a one year, there were some budget cuts and I had to let uh, like nine guys go or nine people, uh, guys and gals. And I'd let nine people go all at once. And that was really difficult. Uh, so, so both like, did you bring them into a room or did you do one, one at a time? I mean, how do you, how do you do something like that? You didn't do it a big group. You got, you brought them in one by one. And so, how do you do right, it? Yeah, what do so, you, what do you say to people when you're bringing them into your office, small, small business, you're bringing them in and you have to tell them that they're, they're being let go. Not malicious, you said. Right. Yeah, it was. Uh, so this was when we had a budget cut. And so I had to let, you know, like nine, I about 25 guys. I had to let nine of them go. Wow. And so I kind of, we gathered everyone together and I said, you know, look, here's what's going to happen. We're having these budget cuts. Uh, some of you are going to have to, you know, I, I can't keep you. And uh, some of you are going to get to stay. And I'm, I'm going to talk to everyone about the process, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. And so I basically took like a, I don't know, like a three or four day period. And, uh, and so at, at our office space, kind of like there was, we had a big open uh, area where kind of everyone had a desk in there. And then my office was kind of like out of that room and around the corner and down, down the hall a little bit. So basically I had like these, I had like times set up with everyone, like a, you know, 15 minute window. I did like three or four a day uh, and, and kind of worked my way slowly through everybody. And I started with all, mostly all the, like the core people I was planning on keeping um, and, you know, met with them, you know, like some of my like senior designers and, and, and things like that, or the people that really just brought a lot to the, the group in terms of morale. And I said, you know, like, like you guys know, we're letting people go. I want you to stay. Uh, but here's how it's going to look. You know, our staff's going to shrink by 25%. Your workload's going to increase. Are you okay with that? These are some new responsibilities. And so I gave some of the people that I was wanting to keep, I, I, I you know, I showed them what was going to happen if, and let them think about if they were still planning on wanting to stay because I didn't want to let some people go and then only to find out that some other people were going to quit because of the oh, new scenario. Right. That would have been a nightmare. Because um, everyone I had was great, great people. So it wasn't like... You know, I wasn't letting people go that I just, you know, needed to let them go one way or the other. I, I had 
certain people go uh, practically by drawing out of a hat. Um, so I wanted to make sure the people that were staying were going and we're willing to, uh, you know, work through the the transition and, and the increase in workload as we worked out new processes and, and, and changed things with our, uh, you know, how much work we could take on as a department and stuff like that. So I, I met with a lot of those people first, and then I met with all the people I was letting go, you know, just one by one. Um, and I had letters of recommendation written out for them. And, and mostly it was just like, you know, hey, you know, we're letting people go. You're going to have to be one of those people. I'm really sorry you know, you could have the rest of the day off, <laughs> you know, like it was, uh, you just, you know, I don't know, short and sweet. And here's how it is. I'm, I'm really sorry. Yeah. And, uh, most people took it pretty well. Some people took it rough. Um, and it was, uh, you know, it was a difficult season for us that, you know, that month kind of surrounding the whole thing. But, uh, as things kind of settled down, uh, later on, like it was, you know, we ended up, we had a really, really great team, uh, after that. And, and, we were able to kind of rise to the occasion. We improved our workflows. We got better uh, at you know, communicating with and communicating with the, like the internal clients that we worked with on a regular basis and everything kind of started to work itself out and it was still difficult. We still could have used some more people, uh, but it was, I don't know. It was kind of like a, like a special thing that our department kind of went through together um, that we kind of came out on the other side you know, tighter, more, you know, close knit as friends and as coworkers and peers and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you know, in a way as, as strange as this sounds in a way, it's kind of easier when it is a, 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 a financial budgetary type of reason. I mean, it's still personal. It's still very personal, but it's, it's easier in a way because you, you have like a, we're losing money and I've definitely been on the receiving end where I've, you know, where I've, I've seen departments and, and, and in fact, a whole company be laid off essentially because they had no money. Uh, but it, it's almost easier than it is when it's like, Oh, employee, it's actually just you. And, and mm -hmm. you're, you're not doing the job that we need you to do. And it's, it's almost like you can blame the higher up, like the company the is having yeah, us do it. We, we've got to let someone, mm -hmm. we've got to do it. And it kind of takes it. it off of, I am right. not happy with you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so, I remember uh, the first person that I had to let go uh, was, you know, I'd been maybe working about four years and we had hired a small group of, of people and there was this one designer who we had hired and he was, you know, in, in his, his resume, his portfolio was really, really great. He was a really nice guy and we hired him. And after two weeks, he had done essentially nothing. Uh, I, I don't, you know, he, he didn't take direction well. Uh, we were asking him for things, even quick turnaround things like, you know, this is back in the day when like you couldn't, you had to like design a button. You know, if you wanted a cool button, you had to like design, this is late nineties. You had to like design a button to make it look good on it. There was no Twitter bootstrap. You just mm -hmm. had to have a button. Get in there and design that yeah. button. <laughs> and like he wouldn't design the, like the, the buttons weren't getting done. You know, little things like that. Just like, and, and so after the end of the two weeks, we were like, listen, you know, like this isn't working out. And it was, that was like one of the, I still remember it vividly. Like that was one of the most stressful work experiences that I've ever had, like having to fire the person and tell them like, you're not doing the work, you know? And isn't that weird that you, you felt bad. Felt very bad. When they're the ones that weren't doing anything. 
You know, isn't that, yeah. isn't that bizarre that you that like the person that's letting the other person go is the one that feels bad? I mean, I'm sure the the person yeah, they felt, fire they feels felt bad. bad too. <laughs> but and I think that's proof. I think that's if if you feel bad about letting someone go, that's proof that you're a good boss. Because if you're a good boss, it means you genuinely want the people underneath you to succeed and to like to do their best work, and like you care. You know, like we were talking about earlier with the, the difficulty of delegating, it's because you care so much about all those moving parts. And sometimes those moving parts are actually your employees and like you, you care about those people. And I think it's, I think it's totally natural to feel bad about letting someone go, even if it's completely their fault. Like one of my, my worst experiences, or I, I always say worst, one of my most uh, stressful and, and difficult seasons or, or experiences was when I had to let someone go because I found out they were uh, like, literally like they'd been lying about some certain things. And like, I began to not be able to trust them. And like there was some morale issues going on. And so I like I had to let this person go because I'm like, it wasn't even about the work anymore. It was just about you can't be part of this office. And uh, but it was like heartbreaking for me because I genuinely like you feel, you know, you want to kind of be like messianic and like save them. But you can't. And in some ways, like I've been fired before. and, And one of the you know, some of those times it was actually one of the best things that could have happened to me. You know, I, I was with a band and they're like, you know what, we want a new drummer. And, and like, holy cow, really? Like, you know, that hurts, but then it completely changes your life sometimes and actually like, you know, kind of gets you going in the right direction again and yeah. and can be extremely powerful. And you got to hope that they can, they can move on. Yeah. Turning that around as the person on the receiving end of it is, is the the hardest part. I mean, we've talked about that with so many callers who talk about that they've either quit or been fired and, and every, I, I'm sure that it happens, uh, probably happens a lot. We're talking about though, like the tech industry and, and, and technology folks, it seems like in that context, you know, leaving a job is switching a job and finding something else is more common, maybe in a way, uh, than, you know, that, and that's why the whole, uh, you know, Google, Apple, you know, salary issue of like where they were limiting who they would hire and all of that stuff, uh, was, was such a big deal because it's just par for the course. I remember I was talking to my grandfather who worked at like one job his whole life, you know, uh, mm-hmm. when you, when you would, he, you know, I would work at a place for six months or a year and go to a different place. And it was like, he just couldn't wrap his head around that, you know, that how, how technology people seem to change jobs so much, especially if you live in a place like, I think like San Francisco, where you can go and work at, at one, you know, you can go work at Twitter and then you leave Twitter and you work at, you know, new relic. And then you leave new, you now you're at Facebook and now I'm at Apple for a while. Like Google, that that's normal there or it, that seems to be normal from the folks that yeah. I know that are there. Like they work at one place. And I'm like, well, you worked at Twitter. Like, why would you leave Twitter? Or you worked at Apple. How could you leave Apple? And they're, oh, I wanted to try something else. I'm like, but it's like, it's Apple. Isn't that the Holy grail of the place you want to go and stay forever? But no, it isn't. It's just a job. Yeah. And, or maybe it's a career, but it's a career move. And it seems like, uh, it, it seems like when you're in those higher up, positions if you have like a v or a c in your title you move around a lot less than you do when you're like a developer for example or a designer and it it it, so i want to talk to you about how did you make the decision to stop working for somebody and start your own thing and kind of walk me through if you can the process of 
you know, you're doing SeanBlanc.net and you've got some podcasts and that's your main income and it's based on members and then, you know, and then the suite setup and like, what was the evolution and the process that takes you from, from there to, to where you are now? Yeah, it started in 2010 and it was the, um, like my wife and I were decided we wanted to have kids. We've been married for about five years at that point. And so, um, that week, you know, between Christmas and new year's, is one of my my favorite weeks of the year because it's like the holiday, you know, partying has kind of settled down with all the family, but you're still kind of on vacation. So you have like this whole week of like just no responsibility, no people to entertain and just, you know, you can just chill. Um, so it's one of my favorite weeks. And so we uh, had you know, we were in Colorado for Christmas, came back to Kansas City uh, afterwards. And so we just kind of had the week off. We're at home hanging out. And uh, at this point, I was still my my role as a creative director. And I was going, you know, we're, we're wanting to start a family, want to have kids. And I was going, I've got this website. I've been doing SeanBlock.net kind of as a hobby for, I don't know, like three or four years at that point. And I was like, I think I could turn this into a real time, like or a real job. I, could, I think I could make a full time salary out of it. I was doing some advertising and some sponsorships and I was making uh, maybe like a thousand dollars a month or so. And I was like, I bet I could do. I bet with a little bit of work, I bet I could get it to forty thousand a year. Right. And and I, I bet I could build it from there. And uh, and so we kind of talked about it a little bit over dinner. And, and you know, Anna was incredibly supportive, and she was like, "Yeah, it, you know, go for it. If you want to do it, like, then go for it." And I think just having the like the support of your wife to to make a massive risky career move like that, and and try to make a living with a website uh, is, you know, was, it was amazing. Like I, so my wife was, you know, instrumental in kind of giving me the, uh, the courage and kind of the permission to go for it. And so, so that kind of like, I started brainstorming and thinking about some things. And so I decided, yeah, I'm gonna take this site full time. I'll do a membership. And my thought was if I can get enough people to sign up as a membership to at least, you know, last me for three to six months of, of, writing and doing the work, then I bet that once I'm able to, to do the site full time, then I can get the full time income to, to grow out of it. Cause it wasn't, you know, I didn't wait until I was making 40 grand a year from it to, to, okay, well now I'll just, you know, step across from this side of the cliff to the other side. Like, no, you kind of got a leap and you got to trust that you're going to jump in and you'll make it. And so my thought was, if I just go ahead and start writing full time, then it'll turn into full time income. So I was hoping that the membership stuff would be enough of like a boost to to get me into the summer. Um, and then by then I'd be able to start charging more for ads and everything would kind of add up and, and start working. That's pretty much exactly what happened. Um, and so I started the site and that was kind of the, my main thing for, uh, for a few months. And then I uh, decided to launch Tools and Toys in the fall of 2011. Um, and that's kind of like a, a, you know, new and cool stuff. And we just kind of do uh, cool items like once or twice a day. And then, uh, and then just recently, uh, I started the sweet setup and, uh, and the podcast thing was uh, a whole, uh, that, like, that was the main perk for the membership. So I was asking people to sign up and, uh, it, at the time it was $3 a month and I'm charging four. And, and if you, you pay, then you get to listen to my daily podcast called Sean today. And I still do those. I think I'm, uh, somewhere around episode 500, give or take. And so I've, I've been doing those for several years and that's like the main perk of the, the membership. And then people started going, Hey, you know, I'd love to listen to your Sean today shows, but I'm never sure. Like, I don't want to sign up for membership. 
so I don't know, like earlier this year, I started doing the weekly briefly and that's kind of how everything sort of fits in. You know, does, it, does that answer your question? Yeah, very much. And you know, it's, it's just so similar to the story that, that I tell about, like when I started five by five in that, you know, you kind of start out and you're like, I think, I think I'm making this little bit of money, but if I did this more then I could probably make enough money and you eventually get to the point where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm doing this thing that I like. And now I'm, I'm actually making enough money, uh, doing it. I'm actually making enough money to exist and to live. And so many times people have called into this show and said, you know, uh, I really would like to have a new career doing X. And I say, well, have you done it yet? And they're, well, I've, you know, I've experimented. Well, start doing it part-time, do it on the side, do it on evenings and weekends. And if it doesn't like invigorate you and challenge you and make you feel really excited to be doing it above and beyond the work that you're already doing, then you'll never be able to do it full time. Like if you don't, yeah. you know, and I remember way back in the, in the day when I was doing, uh, when I was doing Hive Logic. Uh, you know, like I would write articles there in the morning. I would write them there before work. I would write them after work. I would write them late at night. And my goal was never really to blog full time. Um, I kind of experimented with that idea, but I, I just didn't think, but just the idea of, of going in and writing and creating something or writing software or building a CMS or doing something like that. Like I was willing to say, no guys, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to skip the movie tonight. I'm just going to go and, and you know, and work on this thing that if, if that's the feeling that you have, and then you turn that into, okay, I'm going to try, I really, you know, people will call and say, I'm doing this, but I want to be a developer. I want to be a designer, go and get a client, you know, go and find a client, see what that whole process is like. Because if you, Mm -hmm. if your goal is to, you know, to write PHP, like go write PHP, not for yourself, for, for somebody else, get told what to do. You know, have the client get angry at you and say, this is not what I asked for. And then you've got to rewrite it like that's real life. And if you don't like doing that in the evenings and the weekends, you will never like doing that full time. You'll never be able to make it work. And people often forget that that like this is part of running your own thing, of doing your own thing. And if that doesn't sound interesting to you, if the all of these details that Sean and I have been talking about uh, and, and, and how do you were talking about delegation? Like eventually you will, you will have to hire other people. Eventually you will have to, uh, to, to run a business. And if that part of it doesn't sound interesting, go get a job. You can't do everything by yourself. <laughs> you really can't. You think you can. And I thought I could, everybody thinks they go, well, yeah, I can. And yeah, I can, I can do it by right. myself for, yeah, I can. If you don't want to sleep, eat, see other people. Right breathe, do anything else, yeah. <laughs> be sane anymore. Yeah. The reality, the reality is, uh, you, you will have to, and you know what? That's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to hire yeah. other people, your business, your success, all of that will improve by hiring people who are interested in, I remember the first time that I hired Jim Metzendorf to edit a show for me because I used to do, you know, three shows a day. I would record them. I would edit them. I was doing video, all of this stuff. And I remember I found uh, Jim and I, and he, you know, I, the fir- I remember vividly, I was done with the show. I zipped it up and I uploaded it so he could download it and edit it. And I was like, 
I'm done. Like I can walk out of the room now. I don't have another hour plus to edit. (laughs) And he's doing something that he likes and he's getting paid for it. And my job is done now. I get a break. Like it was, it was the best. I was so nervous that he was going (laughs) to screw it up. He made it a lot better, but I was so nervous. He was going to screw it up. Uh, that it was it was like a weird feeling and then the show like went out and was published on the site and it happened while i was you know doing something else and i realized oh my gosh i'm going to be so much more effective because of this if i can release that feeling of needing to control everything and needing to do everything myself and let somebody who's a heck of a lot better to be honest than i am at it do it for me uh, it, it was just the best thing in the whole world. And um, Hattie, was it South by Southwest a year ago when we saw um, uh, Swiss Miss doing her talk? Yes, last year. Do you remember what she was talking about? The little happy faces and little sad oh, faces? Oh, yeah. She was like, if you if you go through your, your day, you know, start start a regular day and you make a list of everything that you do in the day as you do it. So whether it's like, emailing clients or designing business card or, you know, anything like that, even down to, you know, took dishes to sink or, or did uh, invoicing, anything like that. And you put a happy face or a sad face next to, if you liked it, if you liked doing that part of your day, or sounds if you like didn't. such a Tina thing. Put and, a sad face or happy face. Right. right. That, that was, it wasn't like a <laughs> rating like a on one to five. Next, it right. was like no. a happy yeah, that's, face. That's frowny face. But if you I, think I about it, it in a clear way like that, like, do I enjoy and want to do this? And then everything that you, that has a sad face next to it, try and see if you can break that up into someone's job or maybe like, oh, I see all of the things that involve numbers <laughs> uh, I don't like doing. I should probably hire a bookkeeper, you know, things like that. So I thought that was really, really interesting and, and helpful. And I think a lot of people don't think about their day in specific instances. It's more of like, this is all my job instead of I do this, 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 this throughout yeah. the day. Yeah. So and, it's interesting. And, and uh, you know, Matt Howie, the the uh, creator of Metafilter, um, said something similar to me. Uh, you know, he said in, in, a, in a more basic way, he said, think of the things that you hate about your job and find somebody who likes those and hire that person to do them. There's always someone out there that wants to do what you don't want to do. Right. Like <laughs> it's so easy to get caught up into thinking like, oh, everybody hates doing this. Like, right, like, oh, math. No, right. I know a lot of people that love math. <laughs> right. Like, well, hey, you know, I love math. See? Yeah. But like, See? like our, uh, our bookkeeper, like she does the stuff that I hate doing. I really, we both, you, both you, and I had he hated all oh, of yeah, that stuff no. and I'm there's like, get it away from me <laughs> and you're like you know when you look when you look at the bottom line and you're like okay hiring this person is going to cost a thousand bucks a month or whatever it costs that's a thousand bucks a month you're going to spend right but what if you, what are you getting back from that you're getting back a your own time b your frustration levels go down and and c you can now not have to worry anymore. You don't and have to worry. Typically, that's worth the money. Things get done on time. They get done the right way. And there's another person that you know can handle things and make decisions and doesn't have to stress you out. Yeah. So what what's next for you, Sean? What are you working on? Tell me about the suite setup. Go into into detail about that because and why haven't I I haven't been on that at all? My interview is still not published. Ah, well, I, you know, you're right in line after Hattie. We, I know. 
Is that what that? Hattie's, Hattie has, because she has been so busy that, doing all right. the invoicing and accounting because and stuff. Because I can't delegate, Sean. No. she. Yeah. But now we have a person who's doing that. So her time is opening opening up big time. Yeah. Brilliant. We got to get so, her on there. I used to do these interviews on my site. Like I started a while ago, you know, Sweet Mac set up interviews. And uh, like the first guy I ever interviewed was Mark Jardine, who's the designer for Catbots. You know, they make uh, Tweetbot uh, and and some other really cool apps. And um, and so, you know, I, I did these interviews and they started becoming like the most popular thing on the site. And uh, I always thought it would be cool. Like, oh, man, I've got all these interviews, um, a bunch of you know really famous like Mac users. And then also I, I started doing interviews with the readership of the site itself. So people. Um, yeah, it's basically taking submissions from readers and uh, a lot of really cool stuff. And I started noticing trends like, wow, almost everyone uses TextMate and Adium is, you know, super common, popular uh, applications for the Mac and things like that. And I was like, oh, it'd be really cool to have some sort of like, you know, take all this stuff, all the, the apps that these people use on their Mac. And uh, well, OK, so let me back up for those that don't know what a sweet Mac setup interview is basically you just ask someone about, you know, what what kind of hardware do you use? What kind of software do you use? You know, just basic nerdy questions. So you get this list of all the software that they're using. And that was always the most interesting. Um, and so I was like, man, it'd be cool to kind of like amalgamate all this information about, you know, however many interviews I had, like 50 or something like that. And, you know, kind of put it together and say, you know, based on this, you know, these people, the best code text editing app is TextMate and the best, you know, chat message app for your Mac is Adium and and then whatever else. Um, so I kind of had that idea for a long time, but it never really materialized. I thought about making a book, uh, you know, Sean Blanc's guide to a sweet Mac setup where I would like say, you know, Hey, OmniFocus is my favorite task management app and here's why, and here's my review of it. And that newswire is my favorite RSS client. Of course, that newswire is no longer around, but at the time it was in the outline. And so, uh, so anyways, I kind of had that idea. And then, you know, Brian Land comes along and he launches the wire cutter, which is this great, great website. And they kind of do this thing where they test research, try out a bunch of different products like vacuum cleaners and, uh, hard drives and computer monitors and fingernail clippers and just the whole gamut of stuff that folks like us use every day. And they say, you know what? This is this is the best one for most people. Um, and I was like that kind of like that transparency, like the plain speak uh, of, of the way that they were doing their research and then presenting their results, I thought was like it just made so much sense. And so I was like, man, what if my whole like idea for doing these sweet Mac setup things uh, could be in a website? And so that's kind of how the sweet setup was born. Um, all my friends that have websites that have Mac in the title told me not to include Mac because they, they say, uh, you know, you kind of pigeonhole yourself when you do that. So I dropped Mac from, from the URL. So we're just a sweet setup. And what we do is we, we try out a bunch of different apps and then we try to pick what we think is the best one for most people. Uh, you know, so we've done like journaling apps, we've done markdown writing apps for the iPhone, uh, the best weather apps, the best, um, like podcasting app, uh, you know, might be relevant here. Um, we just recently did the best password manager, which was obviously one password. Um, and so we're working on some others right now, like, you know, best shared notes, uh, best one for shared lists, best uh, Mac writing app. 
um, you know, things like that. We did a whole series on uh, how to back up your computer, the best uh, software to use for doing backups for local stuff and for doing cloud backups and, and, and stuff like that. So it's been a lot of fun and uh, really happy with the site so far. Well, it's really great. And it's beautiful, beautiful site. How did the design and, and idea for the way that you guys arrange it and, and put it together come about? Is that you? Did you hire someone for that? I did. I hired someone. So that's, this was my... Uh, this was a big thing for me because I've previously done, I did the design for tools and toys. I've done the design for Shambonk.net. Um, I've always done kind of everything re related to the, the front end and the back end stuff for my sites because I kind of enjoy it. And it's sort of a break from the, the daily routine. And, you know, Dan, I'm sure you might have felt this way when you were doing it, the editing of your shows. Like it, it, you know, it was extra work, but it probably was also kind of nice to kind of just get into this like mindless okay, I'm just going to edit this, clean it up. And it gives you like a little bit of a break from, from having to host a podcast. Yeah. So I kind of feel that I, I used to feel that way about doing the design and development of my sites. Um, you know, things have kind of changed. It's not quite that same way anymore. And so I was like, I think I want to hire someone to, to build a suite setup. I want it to, uh, you know, be totally fluid sites. So it looks awesome on the iPhone, awesome on the iPad, awesome on the desktop. Um, and some of that was just kind of outside of my skill set. And I didn't want to just use a basic theme or template. Um, and then I had all these ideas for the way that I wanted like WordPress to work with like custom fields and all this stuff so we could kind of populate things. Um, and, you know, all the different like the, the prices of the apps, the icon, the little short descriptions, hero images, the article itself, the name of the app, all this stuff. Like I wanted to use it in different contexts, like on different pages of the site. So like all this, like, you know, intricate stuff with the database and, the, and WordPress. So, uh, so I hired a good friend of mine named Eric Olson, who works in, in Florida uh, to do all the front end design. And then I worked with my good friend, Jonathan Christopher, uh, who, who did all the WordPress stuff. He is like a WordPress genius. Um, and so I had the site completely custom built and, and, and paid for it um, out of, you know, I've been like, I basically saved up and then, and then paid for it. Uh, so I bootstrapped the whole thing, which is kind of uh, my first, like, I don't know, this was my first uh, foray into investing a significant amount of money into something when I could have just, like, I could have just done it myself for free and it would have been like, quote unquote, good enough. But I was like, if I pay for it, it will be really, really great. But will that really, really great mean I'll make all that money back. Like, would I make the same amount of money from the site if I just designed it myself? You know, I don't know. Um, but I decided to take the risk and, and, and pay some people to, to build it. And it turned out really, really great. And the site has done, um, you know, far beyond what I imagined it would do in terms of readership and traffic and, and things like that. So it's been, been a lot of fun and got some great, uh, contributing authors helping write the reviews and, uh, uh, Yeah. You know, that's the thing that that's always, you know, I think the you've really identified one of the two, two issues that I, I'm, I'm really glad you brought up. The first one is hiring someone to do something that you know that you can do yourself. That's really mm -hmm. tough. That's really, really tough, especially when it's not even so much of it. Like you could have dedicated the time to do it, but there were other things that you wanted to do. There were other things that you could do. And my, uh, my, you know, example story for this is yard work. And I've used that example many times on the show, but it, it continues to be the best example of this is it, if you own a home and you're responsible for doing, you know, some places have like a yard service, 
built into the homeowners or something. But most places you're responsible for doing your own yard work. That means mowing the yard, uh, you know, trimming, edging, fertilizing, all of this stuff. And if you live mm-hmm. in a place where this is important, like, you know, the, one of the warmer Southern states, especially, this is a lot of time. It's a lot of work. It involves having the right equipment. It involves maintaining the equipment. It involves going out and putting in the time and the effort to do that when you could be doing something else. And I don't know how much it costs in your area, but here, uh, you know, for, I don't know, it's it's usually like a hundred, 200 bucks a month, which sounds like a lot of money. You can get someone to come out every week and do all of that work for you. And then your yard just looks nice. And, and every time you look outside, you're like, oh, it's yeah. just done. It's nice. Now, there is <laughs> there is a certain degree of pride and enjoyment that I had from the physical exertion of doing it, of spending time out of doors, of, of working hard and saying, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I made this little tiny plot of land that me and the bank own look good. You know, there is a lot <laughs> of pride. And I did that for many, many years. But at, at some point, I eventually said, you know what, all of this work that I'm doing to to manage and maintain the equipment and putting in the, the it's starting to two hours. Stressful. Yeah. Like <laughs> I was now spending easily two hours on the weekend doing this stuff. And I, I had a business and I had a family and all of these other things that were there. And I said, you know what, if I took that two hours and spent it with my kids, or I took that two hours and sent some important emails or wrote a proposal or just, sat there and stared at the wall and did nothing and, you know, reinvigorated my brain by doing something I enjoyed doing. Is that worth a couple hundred bucks a month to me? And it absolutely was. It absolutely was. Now, maybe you don't have a yard, but I'm sure that there's something that you're doing, whether it's in your personal life or in your job, where paying somebody to do that releases that pain point or releases that that time. Uh, You know, you I'm I know because I've seen your stuff, that you could have done that whole design. You could have done all of this yourself. How, was that a hard thing saying, I am going to give this to somebody else even though I know I could do it? Or was it easy for you? I, uh, I think the hardest part wasn't so much like the delegation of it. It was the, like, do I really want to spend the money on this? Yeah. Um, you know, and so you're, you know, you're saying, uh, like with the yard work example, right? I've gone back and forth on this a bazillion times. I still mow my own yard. Uh, but I'm always like, I, I dislike yard work. It's like at the top of the the list of things that I, I, I dislike. Um, I've always disliked it. I don't know why, uh, which is ironic because my parents used to own a, a greenhouse, <laughs> but, um, maybe, maybe that's the whole reason. So anyway, I've got father issues. So anyways, sorry, I don't really have father issues. Um, you you think, okay, I could pay someone 50 bucks a week to come out here and mow the yard, or I could do it myself. It takes about two hours you know, do I want to, is my time worth 25 bucks an hour on a Saturday afternoon? You know, like, it's like, I'm always breaking it down to that. And I think that for me, that was the hardest thing to overcome. I'm like, okay, do I really want to spend like thousands of dollars hiring these, these professional designers and developers to build this site for me? You know, it'll go faster if they do it. It'll, I know it'll turn out better. Um, but is it, you know, like, I could take that money. Oh, I could, you know, I could go to Hawaii for that, you know, or I could do something right. really, really great. Um, you know, or should I in, invest it into this, this new business and, and try it out. And so it was like part, uh, it wasn't so much about the, the delegating of the, the time as much as like, I'm going to try, I'm going to see what happens. 
if I, you know, invest money into something and, you know, like I want to try that out. Like I'm going to experiment with basically that, uh, you know, that's an experience I want to try and let's see what happens. And, um, and it, it was, so for me, it was, it wasn't so much about, you know, delegating the task as much as I'm going to test what happens when I invest in a business with money instead of investing in it with my time on the front end, uh, which of course was both. I mean, I created, I kind of directed the whole uh, design process and was very hands-on through the whole time. But it, for me, it was only a couple hours a day as opposed to 40 hours a week. If I'd have been trying to do the design myself. Yeah. And that's something that you know, it, 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 that's a really, I think a good lesson for folks. And it's funny because I know so many people who they have a business idea or they have something that they want to do and they don't, they don't know how to do it. That's the flip side of this is you knew how to do it and you decided not to. There's so many people who, you know, who are coming to us, the people who are doing the work, they're coming to us and saying, build, build that for me. And then they have to have that trust, uh, to, to, to know that we're going to go and do a really good job for them. And it's, there's so many different sides of this. There's so many different parts of, you know, creating a business. And I'm so used to coming at it from like the content management system and publishing tools for, you know, for five by five for running a, a, a podcast network. Like I built those and lots of people have asked me, well, can I buy them from you? Will you open source them? You know, it would be really nice to have a, a publishing tool that's designed for, you know, for podcasting or a podcast, because the cool thing now, Sean, I don't know if you know this, but the really cool thing now is to have a podcast network. It used to be cool to have a mm-hmm. podcast but that's old. That's very 2013. The cool oh, yeah. thing now is to have a podcast network. That's what everyone wants to do. Well, there are, there are already great tools out there that let you build, you know, what most podcast networks are essentially a web page uh, that, that, that has podcasts there with, with files that you can play. That's what most podcast networks are, but there's so much that goes into building this behind the scenes. You've got integrated tracking, you know, so we, we actually have like a a tool that, that does all the tracking and it does it smart and it has pretty graphs and other things like that and parsing RSS feeds and all that. Like we've built that over the years. And when I say we, I actually mean me, I've built that. And I look back and I think, was that a good investment of my time? Like, should I have built that? Should I have hired someone? Should I have used a third-party tool? So for me, this comes back to like, what is the core focus of the thing that you're building? What is the core reason that, that it, you know, so for us, the publishing tools, the tracking tools, the portal that we use that, that our advertisers can log into and see all of their spots and play just their spots on the shows that they ran on and the way that we manage those calendaring systems and all that stuff behind the scenes, all these tools that we've built. To me, those were, you know, the fact is we run a, a content network and an ad agency, creative agency, like that's our core focus and our core business and outsourcing what and and not outsourcing the creation of it but outsourcing it to someone else using a third party service for something like that when it's so important to the core of our business and specific and i don't i don't even know how to describe it it's like it would have taken so much longer i think if we would have been like oh 
can you do this one little thing or make it, can you make it do this or anything Or like struggling that. not... with tools that existed that don't work the way we need exactly. them to work. Exactly. We had to build them. We had because to build them. Because we already them. were struggling with tools that didn't work the way yeah, we wanted to like exactly. go Google Docs or something, right. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. They, there are so many things that, that, you know, that we've built that we've had to build and it's, it's, I think it's really tough for folks to know what to do. But my advice there was always start out using the things that are available to you and build what you need once there's proof that you need it. Uh, you know, yeah. and you know, so many people will, will come out and say, Oh, you know, I want like a friend of mine emailed me. This is funny. Last night he emailed me and he's like, I want to start a blog. And he, you know, he's like writing the HTML and doing the code and the stuff. I'm like, like, dude, just go make a Tumblr or go get a WordPress account or try Squarespace. Like, there are so many options out there for you where you have to spend essentially zero dollars to get something out there. Essentially nothing because you don't know if anyone's going to read the stuff that you write. And if they do, then build the thing that you need. Then go and get the custom thing or the big installation. And there, there, you know, people are so it's, they're so ready to create barriers of entry for themselves. They're so ready to say, I need to do X, Y, and Z before I do the thing that I really want to do. So I think it's also the assumption of success. And so you go, cause I'm, I'm pretty predisposed to this type of, of activity as well. Go, Oh yeah, I want to like, here's an example for me. I want to start, uh, you know, uh, grilling, you know, slow cooking my meat in the backyard. I want to get a, a bullet smoker. Right. Oh, I want. So I'm like, that. so I'll spend like 50 <laughs> hours researching it. Right? right. And I'll be like, okay, you know, Anna, here's the brochure. I found the best bullet smoker in the whole world. It's only three thousand dollars, but I'm going to use it forever. I promise. Right. And I'm like, I've never smoked anything in my life yet. And so I, I had to kind of say, well, how about I slow down a bit? I'm just going to go to Home Depot and just buy like, uh, you know. $75 bullet smoker off the rack and see if I use that consistently. And if I do, then maybe I'll upgrade later down the road. If I find that I've you know become a master of this $75 smoker and it's no longer working for me, I have needs that exceed it. Uh, and you know, the same goes for, you know, I want to start a business or I want to start a blog. Or I want to start a podcast. And you, you think this is going to be so successful and so wonderful. And I'm going to love to do it so much that I'm, I'm I don't want to waste, you know, the, the idea with the smoker, I don't want to, well, that 75 bucks could have gone as the down payment on my $3,000 smoker, right. right? You feel like you've wasted $75 by starting with a subpar, you know, in your mind, a subpar al- alternative. But the truth is, is that actually it will lay the foundation so that you grow, you go, you know what? Actually, I don't even need that $3,000 smoker. The $75 smoker works great. Or, oh, I found one on Craigslist for 50 bucks. It's great. You know, like you, you learn what your actual requirements are and what your actual commitment is going to be. And then that gives you like guidance to, to then buy the, the, the actual tools that you need to use to, to start your blog or your podcast or build whatever business it is that you're doing, you start out, you know, with, with what's available and cheap and then build from there instead of just going all in before you even know what you're doing or if, if you're even going to enjoy it, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like don't just quit and start your job, like do it on the weekends, do it in the evenings. And, you know, do you like coding? Do you like freelancing actually, you know, try that for a year, you know, and, and if, if you're in, still enjoying it and you continually feel the itch, well, okay, well then maybe, maybe start upping, upping your game. 
upping your game. I think that's the the kind of the key of what we've been, you know, I'm, I'm just making note as a show title. You know, that's, that's something that I think is the key to this is that when you think about starting something, when you think about going through that process, start small. People are always excited and they want to, Oh, I need this and I need this and I need this. You know, when, when I first got an office, we, you know, it was at, uh, we've got a thing here called the tech ranch, which is, it, it's not, it's sounds very Texas. It sounds very Texas. <laughs> the tech ranch. How do you do the Texas tech ranch? Welcome on, come on down to the tech ranch. <laughs> it's not really like that, no, but, it's not. uh, but it's like a building. It's a building. It. Uh. It's a very corporate building and you basically can rent uh space. You can work in their co-working space. You I can wish work it was there. more Texas, like really brand that place out. Yeah. <laughs> But the, it, it, you know, so we, we got a room essentially an office, a single small office. And Hattie and I sat in that office with, you know, our desks, basically all we could do was fit them in one way. They were facing each other and, you know, and that was pre- like everything. We did everything in there. We recorded in there. We had our work in there. It was like, how big we was that We boxed office? mugs in there. Yeah, like, we did everything. Everything happened within a three foot radius. <laughs> right. Whereas like. Oh, let me go get you, you know, I'm going to start boxing up mugs. Walks two steps. Okay, now I'm still boxing mugs. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it was so, it was, so, it was very, you know, but it, that was a huge step also, just getting that. That's all we needed at that time. Right. We made do with it. Right. And then, and then it was, okay, I can't stand this anymore. <laughs> We're both going to lose our minds. It's time to find actual office space. So then right. we moved up and got some office space. And then, and we realized that this was actually too much space yeah this is way too much space in so, here in the old we're you know, still in the old one of, recording today yeah, yeah this is probably the last one of the last show or two that we will ever do I know. in this space and I'm not uh, that sad. good riddance <laughs> and because the new space we've got is really really amazing it's actually smaller but it's way better and the layout is, is everything is better. everything is better about it the building is better everything is better about it but you know i had to sign a three-year lease scared that took you, the crap out of me you sat with the pen in your hand for a long time yeah i just uh i just you know because okay so i've been doing this full time really in starting in 2008 but i launched five by five in 2009 sean yeah, three years is like forever three years is forever i've been doing this for for five years now and it's still and like all indications show that we can we will continue and i've i've been smart and i've you know put money away to pay for things like rent and stuff but we, it's expensive and that's why we're like and here i get to this point where like you have you have had so much success Sean doing things where you have been supported by members and supported by folks like that and when i first launched 5 by 5 there was no such thing as kickstarter i would have totally used it but I basically had like essentially a membership drive. I was like, help, help me. If you like these few shows, please help. And there were so many people who basically, you know, contributed, whether it was five bucks or 50 bucks or 150 bucks to make it possible for me to like go and buy better microphones and buy a mixer. And I was doing all this out of my spare bedroom and like, you know, and they were like buying t-shirts and stuff that really support Like all of this started because... People were interested in doing it. And ever since then, I've felt – it's not like it's – it's. I've just felt such an obligation to to do the best that I could do because people were willing to take their own money and contribute it. And still – and now we're coming to a point, especially with the new office and the cost of the move and everything else, like I'm like I, 
I kind of think I want to do something like that again, but you know, I feel like, you know, I always feel bad asking. I feel bad. Like I don't feel bad asking sponsors for money. Uh, but I feel bad asking listeners for money, you know, like I feel bad because I feel like this stuff well, should be free is like a transaction. for them. Yeah. And then <laughs> but you know, I, I, how, why, why did, why do you feel okay doing that? I'm not saying it's bad. I mean, we're going to do it. And, and I, I feel like it, it's, we just don't know much about that. Yeah. Like how have you been able to make that as big of a part of the business for you as, as you have? And, and what, what is that? What does the obligation feel like for you? Uh, that's a really great question. A, a couple answers. For one, I feel good about it because I have uh, what I feel is a really great uh, membership perk, and it's the daily podcast that I do. And so you sign up as a member and you get to listen to the show, and they're like five, six, seven minutes long. Uh, and you know, I talk all about you know miscellaneous stuff from you know personal budgeting and finances. You know, a lot of stuff that we've talked about on this show, I talk about on my podcast as well. Because you know, when you run your own business, that stuff's kind of like just in the front of your mind constantly. Um, I can't imagine signing a three-year lease. Like <laughs> I, I feel scary. like everything's going to come crumbling down, you know, know, any day it could just come, come crumbling down. So committing to, you know, pay someone rent for three years uh, is, is crazy. But um, so I've got the, the show. So I feel, you know, I, I feel confident, you know, saying, Hey, you know, four bucks a month, uh, you get this great podcast, but also you're helping me to continue to do the writing that I'm doing. So like you guys mentioned, you know, working with sponsors is a transaction. Um, you know, I, I feel the same way with the members. I'm not just, uh, I, I'm not just holding my hat out. Um, I'm, there is a transaction there and it's the, you know, the, the perk of the membership and then the empowerment of me being able to continue to do the site, um, at the, the consistency and the quality that, that they've grown used to. Yeah. And so uh, every single person that signed up for a membership has, uh, you know, been really, really happy with it, really enjoys it. And so it, at first, you know, I kind of felt like a fake. I felt like I was a jerk. Um, and it took a little while of, of getting the feedback from the members that they enjoy the show, that they're, they love the writing that I'm doing to kind of feel like, okay, you know what, this is a fair, uh, transaction, you know, they're four bucks for my, the, the work that I'm putting out. Um, so, so that's a big part of it. And also I think something that has helped me a lot, uh, well, well, two things. One thing that helped is when I took my site full time back in 2011, uh, it was like, it was just much less common back then. Like no one was, you know, no one was doing that. Like the only people I can think of that, that were blogging were living was John Gruber and Jason Kotke. Right. That's um, it. It's the only people I can think of. And, and so I did that in 2011. It was like, it was more of a notoriety. It was more like, holy cow, like this is it, you know? And there was this, this sentiment on the internet that when you've uh, finally are able to take your blog full time, you've made it as, as a tech writer or whatever kind of writer, you know, a mommy blog or whatever, um, you know, Heather Armstrong, she's another one. Uh, so there's, there's definitely more yeah, out there. Deuce. Yeah. And so, so I think that worked out really well for me. The timing was really great. I think if I was going to do it again today, I don't know if I would have the same success. Um, there's, you know, Ben Thompson just took his site, Stratechery or Stratechery. I'm not exactly yeah, sure how you yeah, pronounce I don't know it. Either. He just took that full time. Um, I don't know how he's, how it's going for him, but I think it's doing pretty well. And his audience is, is uh, about the same as mine. So, so maybe if I was going to do it again today, it would work out, but sometimes I feel like it wouldn't. Um, so the timing of it was, was really great, I think. And then also the, the, the personal, 
uh, you know, for lack of a better word, the personal brand of it's, you know, SeanBlanc.net. And there, I think people can relate to a person. And I think that this is where so much of the independent web is taking us these days, right? Where you're, you're connecting with the independent folks, right? Like uh, you, you have this whole, you know, using five by five as an example, like a lot of these shows, you know, people like them because of the content, but more so they like them because of the hosts. And, you know, the the hosts are talking about subjects that the people are really interested in. And if, you know, if Dan, if you got, if you and Merlin stopped doing back to work and started another show, you know, called, you know, time for the weekend or something like that, right. that had a completely different flip-flopped uh, focus, people would still listen to it, right? Because it's, it's personality driven and people love to have that uh, connect to the individuals. And I think that's really important. And it has, you know, it's one of the greatest things about the internet, in my opinion. And so having kind of that personal brand on my site and having the personal connection with people and, you know, they're interested in the things that I have to say about a broad range of topics. I think that has helped as well with, with the membership stuff and the, the micro patronage, if you want to call it that of, uh, of all the members, because they feel like connected to me as a person more so than, than, you know, I'm not the New York times. I'm not like a, kind of a big nameless faceless uh, publication. I'm like a real person. Yeah. You're like a human. So, right. Well, exactly. anyway, I think every, uh, everybody uh, in our audience should go, Check out your stuff and support it. Sean Blanc, S-H-A-W-N-B-L-A-N-C dot net. Good starting point. Check out the other stuff that you're doing. You're you're on Twitter too. You tweet a lot on Twitter, right? Yeah, less so nowadays, but yeah, I'm there. Who who are you there? Just Sean Blanc. Yeah, I'm I'm Sean Blanc everywhere. Everywhere. Consistent. It's you're not the just Sean Blanc. Well, yeah. Come on. The real Even Sean Blanc. The real <laughs> Sean Blanc. Uh so another thing, are you gonna be at WWDC this year? Yeah, I'll be at the I'll be at the five by five. I was going to announce it, but I just looked and there's only seven tickets left out of the (laughs) 200 that we, that's really exciting. (laughs) uh, I, I, you know, this is the amazing thing. You talk about great listeners. Uh, you know, you've got, you've got great readers and great listeners. We have the best, uh, the best listeners in the whole world. And, uh, and, and so I tweeted last night, like, I forget eight and nine o'clock at maybe it was a little earlier. We're having a meetup five by five meetup at WWDC this year. And our friends over at new relic, invited us to use their amazing space with like this, they have the best space and they've got this view of the golden gate bridge. They're like, they're like a football field away from the golden gate bridge, which has this, it's still, I don't know if the last time I was in San Francisco, they had this amazing light thing going on the bridge. It was like this art installation that was the whole bridge and the lights at night is really awesome. And they've got this cool stage and they've got food and they've got everything place else. Is crazy in there. And, uh, and you know, they said, Oh, you should have the party here. And I'm like, Oh, uh, you twisted my arm. I, okay. I guess we could have it there. Sure. If you really, I mean, whatever. So it's going to be <laughs> Monday, June 2nd, 2014 from 8 PM to 10 PM. Am uh, I supposed to RSVP to this? Should I? I haven't. I'll, I'll figure a way to get you. Okay. Talk to some people. Yeah. Okay. But the, as of right now, there's six tickets left. Um, probably won't be any by the time this show actually airs. airs. <laughs> but if you if you want to uh, just go to Dan, uh, Twitter, go to Dan, Dan Benjamin on Twitter. <laughs> and uh, and there, we, we did hold back a few tickets, but not many. And the thing, Sean, I, I haven't told you about this. But okay. I would I, I'm gonna set aside if if you can make it. So this thing is from eight to ten PM. 
But before that, we are What's going to be having a secret, uh, secret. secret podcast taping because there's before. a whole lot of five by five hosts in town. So oh, we're yeah. going to try and set up something really great where uh, where some of them uh, where we record live, and we're going to have a very small audience, intimate gathering. Wow! Ooh. And uh, <laughs> we're going to we're going to do that ahead of time. So so Sean, will you will you be a part of that? And in, in some way, we can talk more about what. At the very least, will you attend that? If not, do more. Probably. I don't know. I know you're not really a, a host here anymore. You quit your. show. I'm an alumni. It's not he the is. same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. It's not the same. We should have an alumni right. program. Have you, pay, have you paid your dues, your alumni dues? <laughs> I, I have not. Have the invoice for that. Well, anyway, listen. <laughs> Dang it. I highly recommend that you go and read the stuff that uh, that Sean's doing and support him, SeanBlanc.net. Go check out his podcast, The Sweet Setup. Uh, really great place to go. And uh, and thank you so much for uh, for joining me today. I hope you come back sometime again soon. Thanks for having me. A lot of fun. Take care. Good luck with the name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 